Hi, I'm Deepak and you're listening to The Meaning Quotient, a place where we celebrate human potential and stories of finding meaning and purpose. This is a story of Tony who fought against the patriarchal culture both in her personal and professional life and found a new meaning of life through helping others. Welcome Tony. You have come from an Italian American family. Yes. And I'm very interested in knowing how does that work? How people who come from Italian American family are shaped? Um Well, when I think back on my childhood, um I tend to think about me in that in that environment in like two different buckets and um um so I, and I think of two things first is that the gift my grandmother gave me um which was a gift of being comfortable with silence um and quiet and she would take me by the hand as a little girl and uh walk me to church um and we'd sit in church not during mass but um in between masses or you know in the afternoon where there was no one there and she would sit there and her rosaries say her rosaries and i'd just be playing with my toys and i remember stopping and pausing and just listening to silence if that makes any sense and yeah. um there was just something so um it just pulled me in there was something that um that was warm and and comfortable and um felt like home. Mm. So I I really really thank my grandmother for that. Um and that's something that sits with me today, this love of quiet and re-energizing in in the uh, quiet. Mm. Um and I was a weird kid. I mean, I even seeking silence and quiet would, would uh, take a flashlight and go into my brother's room. He had a closet in his room and I would uh, take out one of his volumes of uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica and sit in his closet and just <laughs> read uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Kind of bizarre. Wow. But, yeah. You know, so I'm getting this feeling of a child who was quiet, who learned quietness from her grandmother and who likes to go and read encyclopedia in a closet. Is it is it the right picture i'm painting yeah yeah it's exactly right yeah 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 so i had that on the one hand um but on the other hand you know i was quite kind of shy kid and hard to believe today that i was shy but i was very shy and um but on the other hand i had this like fire in my belly to back i um so you know yeah growing up in a sicilian immigrant family um had lots of great um attributes you know First and foremost, I hate to say it, is the food. <laughs> we have great food. We have great food. We have like big extended families, you know, long dinner tables, Sunday dinners, uh, Saturday nights getting together with aunts, uncles, cousins. Um, just a lot of fun, a lot of noise, a lot of music. Um, full, a really full, beautiful life. My parents gave us, a, my sister, my brother, and I a stable, loving home. Mm. Um, but you know it was also like many cultures around the world a patriarchal culture mm-hmm. and you know the role women play um you know the the, the caretakers of children and you know elderly the 
the um, clean the home, cook the meals, all important, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. I, um, I resented it and I, I hated it. I um, resented Saturday mornings waking up and it was, you know, time to clean for my sister and my mom and I. And not and for your I, brother. No, my brother and all the other um, kids were outside playing on the block and I would hear them, you know, the windows are open. I hear them having fun and I'd have to clean, uh, <laughs> you know, bathrooms and uh, face moldings and uh, yeah. And just, um, just because you're a woman. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yes, just because I was a woman and I resented it big time. But, you know, as an adult, I look back and my, my parents did what they thought, you know, that's that's the role they knew women to play. Right. So they were preparing me for the life I was to lead, which is not what I wanted. I used to have nightmares, recurring nightmares of um, someone putting a pillow over my head. And um, I would you know I, I had this for, for a long time. I had those nightmares. So this is, this is, I'm looking at metaphorically, is it like Petrarchy putting a pillow and suffocating you or what was that? I guess metaphorically, that's what it was. Uh, I never saw the face of the person who was doing that. But um, yeah, I think it was, there was something inside of me that had to get out. I had nowhere to express it. There was no space for me to express what I wanted because what I wanted Deepak was to be on this woman named Mary Tyler Moore, who in the U.S., um, in the 1970s, she had a sitcom, and it was, uh, she was my role model. There was, it was, a, I believe it was the first, because she passed away, I think, in 2018 or 17, and mm -hmm. I was so struck by this, but I believe she was the first, it was the first TV show where a woman, um, A, wasn't married, and B, had a significant job. Um, she um, wrote copy for a newspaper, and she had um, she was equal with this other gentleman, Murray, her colleague. They had equal jobs, which was like really shocking to me because all the women that I know that quote unquote went to business, that's what it used to be called, um, you know, they were secretaries. Um, so, but here was Mary Tyler Moore. Not only did she have a really cool job and that was significant and she was equal um, with the men, but she had her own apartments, like massive revelation, Deepak. This was like huge. Um, it was a big deal. And, uh, you know, friends would come over and, you know, life wasn't always easy for her. Um, but it was, it was great. Like, I, I knew I wanted that. Mm. Mm. Wow. And, you know, I'm just wondering that you have your role model from a TV character. You didn't have any life figures around you whom you can look up to? Um, not in that way, but yeah, I mean, you know, my parents were affectionate and loving. My, I had grandparents around me who were great. Um, you know, they were role models in other ways, right? Um, as a mother, um, my mother was a really good role model. Right? Mm. So, mm. so I appreciate that very much. Mm. Mm. But... Um, and yeah. you wanted more. I wanted more. My God, I rebelled so hard as a teenager that uh, I don't know how the hell my parents really dealt with me. I was not an easy child. Um, mm. So, so it was like it was the 1970s, New York City, inner schools, public schools, um, really dangerous. We had a number of many racial riots in our school. I mean the full blown out riots where 
um, you know, sometimes so heated that um, I, I remember one time this one teacher whose name I won't mention, who was this kind of quiet guy. And all of a sudden he just got, he just rolled up his sleeve and he jumped into the fight. And it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, so um, I hung out, you know, even though I was in the honor program and I loved the people in my honor program class, they were smart and witty, but um, I hung out with a really rough crowd. And I have to tell my mom if she's listening to this to cover her ears at this part because all the things she doesn't know. Um, you know, we'd, we'd cut out of school. Um, we'd go down to the train yards in Coney Island. Um, and, you know, 1970 was the age of graffiti. And we would go and uh, write graffiti on the subway cars. And, um, yeah, it was bad. One day our truant, a truant officer caught us, actually, and um, brought us back to school. That was not a pretty day. But... Mm. Um, yeah, it was, anyway, it was a rough school. I rebelled, you know, so I had this, like, a, it was like bifurcated Tony. It was, on the one hand, I had this quiet, peaceful side of me. On the other hand, I just was a bad kid, you know. I was just uh, doing things I shouldn't do. And, wow. Uh, didn't want to be part of uh, Italian culture, yeah. Wow. And what you wanted to be part of? I wanted to be an American girl. Mm. An American girl. And um, when I went to high school in a different neighborhood, so I didn't hang out with the bad kids anymore. Suddenly we um, belonged to this Jewish community. And guess what? I mean, everybody was college bound. And even the girls. And not only were they college bound DPAC, but they were going away to college. Complete, complete revelation to me. Um, I never heard of anybody going away to college. I mean, I'd heard of Harvard and Yale, but that was just like the television shows. But it was wow. Certainly didn't know anybody that went away to college. Um, so, so that was became, American. That was an American girl for you. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Can go to college. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, um, yeah. And you know, my parents were okay with us going to college. My sister and I. Of course, my brother was going, but my sister and I um, okay to go to a local community college or to Brooklyn College. But um, you know, going away to college was absolutely you know unheard of. Unheard of. A woman's place was to be at home in her, you know, father and mother's house until she got married, right? You know, you were to be the virgin until you were handed off to the man. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to have freedom. And um, I was so fortunate, Deepak, you talk about angels in your life. And um, I had this uh, history teacher who... Um, took on like my cause, I guess. And um, he spent a lot of his time trying to convince my father to um, let me go away to college. And um, it was, you know, it was, it was, he had the door slammed in his face a few times, the phone hung up and it was not uh, an easy road for him. But, um, and that's another whole story, but long story short, I did get to go away to college. And, um, then my life started like, well, I should say the life that I wanted to build really started. And, um, it was my dream. It was, I was on my own, you know? Um, and Saturday mornings I got up, I didn't have to clean anymore. <laughs> this is a big deal. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It was a big deal. Yeah. You know what I did instead? I go to the library where it's completely quiet and I'd study. And you and don't I have to be in a closet. <laughs> I was had no flashlight required. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was my dream, you know. Um, 
most people that went to college, my friends, and um, you know, a big part of the college experience for them was the partying. You know, and I'm not saying I didn't party and have my share of good times. I did, but the prime focus for me was this gift that I got to learn, and that I was on my own. And um, so, yeah, my friends from college, um, I guess university, I should say university. Um, this is a global call. Um, they they would tease me. Well, Tony's going out. She can't come to the party. She's going to the library. You know. <laughs> But um, but yeah. I loved it. I loved, uh, loved learning and being in college. And uh, I took it really seriously. I took it really seriously. I knew it was a gift, right? I didn't, I didn't yeah. waste it. Yeah. I didn't waste it. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking back, maybe not anyone in your family would have thought that you would ever go to a college and would be able to learn. Not even yeah. you. Yeah. And, you know, my mom, my mom got the brunt of it. Um, she had lots of sisters and a brother and um you know they i wasn't there i never saw this in person but i heard about it that they would um not treat her well and tease her that you know your daughter is a whore basically because she was going you know she wasn't in your home every night and um it was hard for her it was really hard for her um mm. i know she cried i know she cried rivers um over this um mm. but and i you know, I was not very nice to my parents at that time in my life. And um, you were at a bed. I was. And I, you know, it, it hurts me a little bit looking back and seeing how I treated them. Um, I basically shut them out. You know, I stopped talking to them. I, because my whole heart and soul was in another place. And so the only way, because it hurts so much to hurt them, that I think I had to shut them out, you know, in order to do what, you know, we talked about this, your soul is calling. Like I had to do this. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't stay home. I would have died. I would have, you know, it would have been a terrible life. Mm. It would have been a pillow suffocating life, you know? Mm. And this calling took you to Wall Street. I started working and started training at a number of Wall Street banks. And so that's how I got into Wall Street. And there was one bank in particular where I loved, loved working, loved the culture there. Um, and they asked me to come on full time at a point and I, and I did, it was exciting. It was, um, uh, fast paced, really smart people around you. Um, you had to be at the top of your game all the time, but I love that energy, you know? And, um, but it was also 1994 on wall street. Well, actually, yeah, 1994 on wall street. And it was, um, you know, strippers at noon on Fridays, um, just what you see in the movies, you know, Wall Street, um, Michael Douglas or Wolf on Wall Street, you know, most men had Playboy calendars on their desks. Um, you know, it was not, uh, I wouldn't say it's common, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, I, I remember walking, having my ass pinched or touched a few times walking on the floor. And it was commonplace. It was commonplace. I didn't take that, by the way. I was from Brooklyn. I never took anybody. <laughs> you were well too. And you but, find yourself in a different environment. It's like a, a similar environment to what you have been grown up. It's a, I, I personally see the other side of patriarchy, you know? It's, yeah, it, that's a good point. Yeah, it's definitely a patriarchal um, yeah, environment, certainly. Um, by the way, Wall Street's not like this anymore. It's, uh, it's much, much tamer. Yeah. Um, there's, there are still unconscious biases, but that's in every industry. 
But, um, you know, yeah, it was patriarchal, but I don't know. This time I was ready for the fight. I was like, uh, yeah, I, I embraced it. I, um, and I really thrived. I really thrived in that culture. Um, I think a lot of the lessons I learned as a kid hanging out with rough, rough kids um, in terms of, um, you know, putting these, like, talking their language and being able, I was able to move in and out of different cultures in the bank pretty, pretty easily. Um, and I know that was from growing up with, you know, on the one hand, hanging out with smart kids, on the other hand, hanging out with, you know, really. And by the way, those kids that I grew up with, many of them were dead. Um, two are still in jail. I mean, it was, it was really, really rough crowd, really rough crowd. They used to steal cars, steal, you know, break into homes and steal jewelry and, and a lot worse than that. I mean, a lot worse than that. Wow. Yeah. So and I was able to find my way and, and, and um, be comfortable in both environments. So here I am on Wall Street. I'm not afraid of the trader who's screaming at you. I'm not afraid. I'm like, bring it on. You know? <laughs> yeah. So how would I see that, you know, just, just help me. So I somehow see a woman in a man's world or you were becoming a man in the man world. Or how, how was that? Um, it's so funny. As you were talking that, here's the image I got in my head. Um, you know, we, women had to adapt to a man's world, right? Um, we dressed like men. We had the, you know, we even like buffed up our shoulders with shoulder pads. You know, we had the suits with shoulder pads. We wore these ties, you know, different version of a tie, but, you know, cutesy little tie. And, um, you know, you had to act like a man and be like a man. And I remember um, someone once telling me, um, you know, how to write an email. I had to do better at writing emails because women just say too much up front. Just you know, give us the, just give us the bottom line on the first line. And if we want to read the rest, we'll do that. But it was a man's way, a man's way of thinking, right? Give me the fact, no color. And for a woman, it's really um, the color and how we come to that conclusion is really, really rich and important. And, and so we had to shut that down. We stopped using words like we were told. We took classes and don't use words like feel, use words like think. I think this and that, not I feel this and that, not I believe this and that, I, I think. And, you know, we had a, you know, it was a dressing down of many things that were feminine. Yeah. You know, uh, Tony, I, I must uh, accept that. I'm also guilty of that. And thank you for bringing light to that because as a man, I also remember I have done that. To people yeah. it's yeah, like go oh, just that way, right? but we need to know you know we need to know yeah. that it's wrong and yeah ways you know i think i don't know if it's right or wrong but it's we got to meet in the middle yeah. right and both are beautiful and right. both serve a really important purpose right? yeah but it's also acceptance of diversity and at least ex you know understanding diversity that yes people are coming yes. from different opinions yes yes hmm. and that was 90s that was 90s, yeah. And, um, and then I had two seismic events happen in my life, which wow. uh, threw me completely off course. And, um, um, and the first was uh, uh, divorce and um, earth shattering, earth shattering. Um, I fell into a deep depression. Uh, still hard to even talk about it, quite honestly. And, um, um, you know, in the Catholic religion, there's um, a saint. His name is Saint John of the Cross. There's lots of Saint Johns, but this one's Saint John's of Saint John of the Cross. 
you might have heard this um, this phrase. Um, he called moments like this the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so this was my dark night of the soul. It was um, a whole, um, a whole, sh- you know, it shook up my entire um, who I was, you know, what, you know, coming from this, this Italian family, I'm not a wife. Like this was, you know, like basic 101 who you are, right? And suddenly I wasn't that anymore. And I was a single mother. Um, and, you know, honestly, if it wasn't for my children who, who, you know, took me out of it, remembering this is not just about me. There's something bigger here, your kids, you know, and then and they, they, they brought me joy. And they were just such nice, sweet kids and, and sensitive, especially my son, that, you know, it just pulled me right out. All right, get up out of bed. I have things to do for my kids. Right. So that, that really, really got me through it. Tell and me also, more about what happened. What happened in, in that you jumped into that dark night of soul and how was it? And what was happening there? Uh, it was a dark tunnel. It was a, a tunnel. No headlights on my car if I was driving down the tunnel. No headlights. Um, I had no direction anymore. I didn't know who I was. I didn't. Um, I didn't know where I belonged. Um, you know, my family had a hard time with it. Um, once again, me always being the trouble, trouble one in the family. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, my mom and my dad had a hard time with it. Um, uh, my in-laws, you know, and, and I have to say that my ex-husband and I did this so amicably, um, and beautifully, um, and still, it was really hard, right? There was uh, a scene of bitterness and anger and divorces. And I was just like, you know, we didn't have that, thank God. We didn't have that. You know, we had respect for one another um, as individuals and as parents. And we knew no matter what, it was kids first. Mm. Kids front and central. Mm. And that kept us, you know, we had a common purpose, you know. Um, but it was... Uh, uh, it was really hard. I remember the, the nights that my ex-husband had the kids. I'd stay at work really late because I didn't want to come home. I did not want to come home to a house that didn't have my kids anymore. And um, yeah, it was very hard, mm. very hard. Mm. But um, one thing that came out of this for me was I had this uh, friend of mine who's a priest. And a shout out to Father Fonte here. And, oh, my God, um, he, this man sat with me for hours and days and weeks and months while I just cried and cried and cried and cried. Mm. And he just sat there patiently and held my hand. And um, he showed me that gift of when people are in such deep sadness, just, you know, being a witness, just being there and holding space for them. Safe space for them is a great, great gift. Hmm. Great, great gift. And um, yeah, so between him and my kids, I got through it. And um, yeah, I came out a really different person. I came out much stronger. You know, if I lived through that, I can, I can, I can do a lot more. You know. Hmm. And um, I also knew that 
I had to help people who were suffering. Hmm. And I spent from that point on, and I wasn't, if this wasn't conscious, it kind of happened. Like you know, when you ask the universe or something, it's, you start getting it. I started having, you know, all these young women at work. I already was, you know, getting quote unquote older. I was what, in my like mid thirties maybe. And, um, you know, these younger women would come and, and ask for advice and, you know, talk about how hard it was for them working in a man's world or, um, you know, having a problem with their manager, whatever the issues were. And I, and I spent a lot of my time helping other women. Um, I, um, I volunteered, um, and I have, like, for 15 years, I've been working with the YWCA, which is a, uh, an organization in, in the States that helps women, um, underprivileged women, um, get jobs, teach them job skills, um, and also helping to eliminate racism as well. Mm. And um, I spent a lot of, I started spending energy on helping other people. And mm. um, so that came out of the divorce. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I'm just having this picture like you are, you are successful in, in, in your Wall Street. And at the same time, this, this thing happened, you know, so you, you made it in spite of all the patriarchal things in Wall Street and you made it and then you have to go through another round of one personal crisis. Yeah, yeah. And not bring that to work, by the way, right, ever. Yeah, that was, you know, it was a, you know, it was a blessing too because I had someplace else, you know, I had another identity, right? I go to work and I had another identity. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was helpful, actually. It's hard as it was going to work and not breaking down. Um, yeah. It also helped. Yeah, and then, and then came the financial crisis of 2008. Wow, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. that, was, uh, that was pretty earth-shattering, too, and, and, um, in terms of, you know, this was a big turning point in my life. So, I, you know, we, we work on trading floor, and... Um, um, just one day, you started hearing some traders saying, stop trading with uh, such and such a bank. And then the other side, you know, you hear, stop trading with this bank. Stop trading with that bank. And we're like, it's like looking around, looking at each other, like, what the hell's going on? And, you know, these are like banks that are foundations of Wall Street, you know? So, and we're like, what the hell is going on? We're looking at each other. And, you know, there's tons of noise. Everybody's talking, talking, talking to each other. And then we're like, well, you know, I'm getting up and going to talk to people. What's going on? And they're like, oh, the market's like stopping. It's like no trading. And um, and all this, I remember also this one moment of like in this massive insanity and noise on the floor. All of a sudden, there was a point where it just got quiet. Everyone was in shock, you know. And there was, I don't know, 30 seconds of this. But it was like. Even that was shocking, right? It was like, oh my God, this is big. This is big. Um, it was scary. It was scary. It was, it's kind of exciting because you're like, oh, what's going to happen next? Because you didn't realize that, how bad it was. But, um, you know, over the course of the next few days, um, our bank acquired another big bank. And um, now, like this, I call it the, the days of terror began where, you go to work, and even though we hadn't brought them on yet, um, it would take a couple of weeks to do that. Um, and so um, I had a big job to do. I had a big job ahead of me. And um, 
but we're, everyone you work, everyone around us was quiet and everyone worked with their heads down. And everyone was scared because for every role now, there were two people. And over the course of the next few days, uh, people which were getting fired left, right, and center and running off the floor crying. It was just, it was like being a morgue. It was really, really horrible, horrible. And, um, and I just want yeah. to say it seems like, you know, the dark night of the soul for hmm. the Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's interesting. Yeah, it was a dark night of the soul. Um, but for our bank, we just acquired this massively big bank and um, uh, yeah, we, it was a big deal for us, right? So things were looking up for us. Um, not, not, I mean, look, it was tough, tough times. I had to make no mistake about that. But um, And how, how did you went through this? Yeah. Wall Street crisis. Uh, you know, I was also in that environment of fear and um, like everyone else around me. And I, you know, here was a single mother with, you know, trying to put away money for college, never mind, just barely, you know, um, you know, making sure I had a job. But I, I hired a coach. I had heard about coaching because I read, like reading a lot of behavioral science and social sciences. And I, by the way, I did that, did that for decades. Um, but I had read about a coach. Um, I hired this coach and this was like a, a massive, massive turning point in my life. This session, this guy tells me, well, you know, Tony, this world, this horrible reality you're living in right now, right? This is a reality. It is not the reality. And I'm like, huh? And he said, there are other realities you can be living in right now. Um, and so we discussed different perspectives on how we, I could look at working, um, you know, how, how I can approach this, the, the crisis I was in, the, the industry was in. And mm -hmm. I remember and, that- Tony, uh, yeah, I just want to know what was your reality at that moment? I was terrified. I, I was terrified. I was terrified I was gonna lose my job. And on top of that, I had this massive, job to do. I had to bring on thousands of new um, employees onto our trading platforms, sales and trading platforms. And this that's a massive undertaking. That's like months worth of works. I had about a week, right? So I had incredible pressure on me. I was terrified um, that I was going to lose my job because um, we were acquiring a bank that was much bigger than we were. And, um, you know, assuming they were much more skilled than we were. Um, so um, I, at that day, I had the coaching. I was walking home, and I remember it was along, walking alongside Bryant Park. And I stopped in my, I stopped in my dead stop, and um, I said, "That's it. I am, I am not going to be afraid anymore." I, mm. I just, I turned it around, and I said, "This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. I'm going to do something. I don't know what, but I'm just going to kick ass." And, I got on the subway, fortunately got a seat, and I took out pad and paper, and I started creating a strategy for how I was going to tackle this massive job. You were creating a new reality for yourself. A new, I was creating a totally new reality. I mean, that coach, like, he made such a massive impact on me. The next day, I walked into my boss and his boss, and I said, you know, here's what we need to do in order to onboard all these employees. 
in order to start trading day one with no flaws. I need a SWAT team. And I need this person from Asia, I need this person from the UK, I need this person from such and such a country going on. I said, I need them here, 24 hours, and I promise you I'll move mountains. Wow. And um, and they did, they gave, you know, they said, fine, get them. And they all flew in, and I remember that the day one that we started, and I, I pulled them together in the conference room, you know, my, my local team and uh, these other people. I told them why I picked them. And, um, and I said, look, elephant in the room here. We, we can do all this hard work, and the last day we can be told, you know what, You're not, you don't have a job anymore. Thank you for your service, but you don't have a job anymore. That can totally happen. That could totally happen. And, or we could, we could do a great job, have so much fun doing this, so much fun doing this, and let this be our last hurrah. And who knows, maybe someone will see how, how great we are. And, and we did it. And it was a great team. We were totally engaged. We, we, we worked our asses off. And people noticed. People noticed. And all of us kept our jobs. Let me just take a moment to reflect back. You know, how I see the picture so far. Grown up in an Italian-American family where woman was given a second position or a different position than man and fighting your way to even study in a college, going to a Wall Street, fighting your way in a man's world, going through a divorce, which is not very Italian-American thing to do and moving ahead as a single mother and then going through this crisis of Wall Street where you were terrified of what's going on and still moving on, moving on. And you were able to turn everything into a success in one go, saving many lives, bringing people together, turning that challenge into an opportunity, not for yourself, but for others. And you did it. Thank you. That was a team effort, but yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess if you put it that way, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, all along you're becoming, still becoming somebody. (laughs) Yeah. Right? I was fortunate to have the opportunity to work with uh, a senior banker um, who had this idea of, um, that was born out of this, um, perceived need to enhance communication internally. Um, and so we, um, he asked me to run this and, and we shaped it together. And um, it was basically a channel for employees to come talk to. We appointed a number of other um, leaders to, to help. And employees, and, and we advertised it, that um, you know, the channel was confidential to the extent possible. But, um, you know, we built this, it was like a little, internal entrepreneurial you know enterprise we had no idea if anyone would come quite honestly and um and actually you know it was really successful we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to us and you know and we spent a lot of it was around you know bureaucracy and we changed lots of processes and, and policies and so on but you know so much of it was around people hurting 
right? They had either problems with colleagues or with managers, or they were really having trouble balancing work life, um, or the, the work itself was too stressful, um, pressure too stressful. Anyway, I mean, I just recognize that everybody was like the walking wounded, right? We all walk around like wow. we're all walking wounded, right? And I, I brought, I went out and I bought all these coaching books. And I wanted to remember some of the coaching techniques my coach had given me um, years ago. And I started applying them um, through my, through this program. And it was like magic. And I said, oh my God, this is my lane. This is what I'm meant to do. And um, yeah, so I started, you know, I started CTI, taking coursework there. And um Loved, 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 loved it, and um, yeah. You know, and some part of me thinks something was coming back. It was, um, you know, you mentioned that you were, you still had your mother as a role model for sharing, caring, affection. Yes. People. Yes. And somehow I'm sensing a merging was happening with your business skills and development. Or you know, something like that. Yeah, you just, you know, you just helped me realize. I'm, and, and I work mostly with people on Wall Street now. Um, most people I coach are Wall Street, not, not only, but mostly. I'm bringing the feminine energy mm. into Wall Street. That's what, you know, between the program I ran before I left and, and coaching, yeah, it's, it's, it's nurturing and caring and, um, and helping. Tell me more about this feminine energy to Wall Street. What uh, well, again, both are needed, right? Um, but what's lacking in any, and I, and I want to just say Wall Street, I imagine this is in every corporation, right? Mm-hmm. It's this, this need to emote, um, you know, yeah, it's about bringing um, care. It's about bringing care and, and wanting to help others. Um, and, and here's the thing, one of the things I learned through the program um, that I ran my last hurrah on Wall Street was that when people people realize we cared, right, those of us that helped, they realize that we cared, that somebody here they can go talk to who cares, guess what? They start to care more about where they work, and they become more engaged. And how do you not want engaged people? Hmm. Engaged people perform really well, right? So everybody wins here. Right. And I, and that's the piece that's really been missing uh, in, in corporate America or corporate anywhere is this, this um, avenue for care and people helping. And it happens informally, of course, right? Hmm. People find these informal channels, whether internally or externally, but how about a formal program that does that? Hmm. I'm just sensing that you were no more trying to act like a man in the man's world, but you are bringing good point. Womanness in the yeah. mind and changing it and bringing it together. Yeah, you know, you know what's interesting? When you said that, I remember this memory came out. Um, I remember the day where I said, I am not wearing suits anymore. I'm wearing <laughs> dresses. Yeah. I'm wearing dresses. And if, you know, it was, I, I think it was one of the women in this, you know, a large company that also did that. And I was like, I'm not dressing like a man anymore. I'm done. And then, it, you know, I just, started dressing more feminine. I still like wearing a suit from time to time, don't get me wrong, yeah. but, but I, it, I prefer dresses. 
Yeah, but it's your choice. You're not supposed to do something. You can choose to do whatever you would like yes. to do. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And you know, this authenticity, this caring in helping people, it has supported so many people in that program. And as I understand, it also brings you a new career of coaching. Yeah. You took yeah. it to the next level then. Yeah. And I love coaching. Um, I love coaching. Every, every client is a, um, is a new challenge. Every issue a same client brings is a new challenge, right? Um, um, I'm learning all the time. Um, I'm, I just, I, I just, the feeling you get when you feel like you've helped somebody is just, uh, I mean, I almost feel, I almost feel, um, uh, egotistical. Like I'm sitting there like, Oh my God, I love this. I, I do mm. this because I love it. I do. I love it. Cause I help other people. Mm. And, um, yeah, so it's kind of about me, but, <laughs> mm. yeah. and actually somehow I'm feeling that you're also giving back. Like yeah. the person, yeah, yeah. the priest who helped you during your divorce, the coach who helped you shifting the reality, yeah. you are helping people now Yeah. in their process. Yeah, 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 feels great, feels great. Yeah. So if you have to see yourself again now as the little child in the mm -hmm. closet with the flashlight of the reading the encyclopedia, how far have you come? <laughs> you know, on the one hand, I've come really, really far. And on the other hand, I feel like I still am that person. You know, I, I kind of feel in, in this coaching space, I get to be that. Is there any message you would like to give to, you know, some part of me is saying that to young women who might be going through what you have gone through as a child? Uh, that there is a way to be yourself in that, you know, in whatever environment you choose to, if you happen to be in a very male-centric society, uh, environment, there is, there's a way. You don't, you don't have to adapt. Um, you have your own voice and you can be expressing your voice. You don't have to shut that part of you down. I learned this in class, the word courage. Um, my mom says to me, by the way, oh my God, you, you know, you're so strong. And I am um, bold and you have courage. And, and I'm like, I don't see it that way at all. Um, I, you know, I always thought courage meant, you know, I'm, I'm deciding, making a choice to do this. And so I do that, you know, and so I have courage. But that's not what courage means. Courage is a uh, two French words. It's courage, which is heart, and rage, which is rage. Mm. It means you you're moved to do something because your heart's in rage. You have to do it. Mm. You know, my desire to go to college away was you know it was I had to do it. I had to do it. Um, all the stuff I kind of feel like there's nothing brave or courageous I did. It just it had to happen. There was no other choice. I couldn't suffocate that part of me. Yeah. And look from your courage, from your heart of rage, what have you created? You have 
you have gone against the patriarchy of your family you make yourself a success in a wall street in a patriarchal culture you went strongly through two dark nights of soul in your personal life and in your professional life of crisis of 2008 and created a new life based on your values and purpose a life which is giving new meaning to other life yes thank you Ursula Le Guin said injustice makes the rule and courage breaks them filled with courage heart of rage tony broke the patriarchal structures and created a life based on her values known for bringing feminine energy to wall street during 2008 crisis by changing the perspective she not only made the life of people around her better but also moved into a greater capacity of helping others by starting her own coaching company this is what i call living truly <laughs>